This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Rudy Trevino. This is Selena, A Star Dies in Texas, Chapter 4. It's seven months now after Selena was gunned down, shot once in the back in a Corpus Christi Days Inn at age 23. For some of you listening, if you're just learning about Selena and her murder, it still might be hard to imagine just how big a deal Yolanda Saldivar's trial was going to be. A young district attorney, Carlos Valdez, is in line to represent the state in Saldivar's murder trial. He didn't know it at the time. But Selena's trial would change his life in unexpected ways. All right, here we are, the 148th. Today, Valdez is a judge. His office is in Corpus Christi. Judge Valdez, how are you? I'm fine, how are you doing? Good to see you. KHOU's Grace White recently took a trip to Corpus Christi to meet with Judge Valdez in his chambers. And did you grow up in Molina as well? About three blocks from the house where Selena lived. My sister still lives in the house I was born and raised in. That's where I learned how to fight. (laughs) (laughs) And despite what seems like an open and shut case to many, including Valdez, the trial of Yolanda Saldivar is going to be a fight. The publicity, the fans, the pressure, it would all be a factor. You know what's funny is whenever I start talking about these things, the pressure starts, I still feel the pressure that I felt back then. And I, it's, um, it's one thing that I can never convey to people is how much pressure I felt. Pressure from who? From everybody, from all everything I was saying, everything, no matter what it was, uh, as long as it was in public, it was being broadcast throughout the world and people were criticizing it, people were doing all these things. And um, I felt, and, and because I wanted justice to be done. I was wanting justice and everybody was, was counting on me for justice. They wanted to be sure that Selena got justice. And if, if you were there at the time and you would look around and look, everybody, look at everybody with signs and everything, and you would understand, so. Did you know in the beginning her story would have this impact? I, at first, I had no idea. The um, actual murder occurred on a Friday, and that weekend I started getting an inkling of what we were in for because during the weekend they had to move uh, her body from uh, the mortuary to our convention center because of the number of people that were lined up to pay their last respects. There were so many people, over 50,000 people lined up. And that's when I started understanding this is something that we've never seen before. This is something that... um, that we're going to have to prepare for carefully because we've never seen anything like this in Corpus Christi. But the trial also came at an odd moment in time. Other historic, high-profile trials that were played out in front of the public eye. What impact did the O.J. Simpson case have on Selena? Oh, I was so concerned about that. That was the year of of O.J. Simpson and the year of Susan Smith. Susan Smith in uh, South Carolina. The O.J. Simpson case ended with a verdict on the Wednesday before we start picking a jury in Houston. The Wednesday before, the jury returned a verdict of not guilty. And during that, the end of that week, there was such an outcry throughout the country about the criminal justice system being broken and that it's not functioning anymore. And I was very concerned about the attitude in the country and the attitude everywhere uh, affecting the jury and getting into the jury panel. Um, the O.J. Simpson case was, was tried on TV, and the O.J. Simpson case lasted about a year, and it was on TV every single day. So it became more of entertainment than an actual trial. And I was very concerned about people thinking, well, this is, this is like a show, instead of this is a search for justice. Valdez had been district attorney for a year and a half when Selena was murdered, and eight years before that as county attorney. I always measure my life uh, before the Selena case and after the Selena case because things have changed. Right at 1995 was the year of Selena, and after that came different things. Things change. You did take some criticism, though, for being inexperienced, a younger oh, yes. attorney. I, I, How did I you had... handle that? It's it's very difficult when you're right in the middle of it and getting um, people uh, complaining about you don't know what you're doing. Or uh, In many instances, I had um, 
Hispanic people, Hispanic people telling me to get off the case and to get an Anglo prosecutor because I was going up against uh, Doug Tinker, who was the premier defense attorney here in Corpus Christi and probably in Texas. So they said, you, you can't handle it. You need to get somebody who can. So it's very difficult to, when you're right in the middle of it, to explain to people, that's not going to happen. I know what I'm doing and I know how to do it and it's just not going to happen. So what, what it does, it creates additional pressure. I had all this pressure on me. Everything I was doing was under the microscope. What I do is I just ignore people like that and I, you know, I listen to them, but I'm not going to do what they want. And what I decided to do, the strategy I decided on was I'm not going to read anything or watch anything during the trial, during the whole process, because I know that if I read something in the newspaper or if I watch something on TV, it may affect the way I think. And I, did, I, I knew where I was going. I knew what I wanted to do and how, how I wanted to get there. And I don't want anything to take my eyes off of where I'm going. Carlos Valdez believed in his strategy, his team, and the case against Yolanda. But throughout the trial, he wore an angel pin on his jacket. And my wife, before, the, before we left for Houston, gave me a little angel pin. And she said, wear this to protect you. Wear it all the time. Wear this to protect you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the word for protection. At the time, did you think you needed protection? Well, dealing with the people that I was dealing with, yes. Yes, it's, it's very difficult. A trial like this is so difficult because you're going up against uh, the other side. And not just that, you've got a bunch of different people who I'm telling you that trials like this attract certain people, attract people that you have no idea exist. I prayed a lot. I prayed a lot during, before, during, and of course after. A lot of prayer goes into this. And as the young Valdez prepares for the trial, the defense team is lining up their strategy. And at the helm is their lead attorney, Doug Tinker. How important are the embezzlement records or the alleged embezzlement records to y'all? Well, we, we don't believe that. We don't believe that happened. We don't believe it happened, and we think it's an insinuation. It's not true, and so getting records to show that it's not true is important to us. And we believe that if we're given the records, uh, that it will show that she did not embezzle anything. So you had talked a little bit about Selena not being a role model. What do you intend to show? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the facts of the case. Several times uh, you brought up the fact that even if people don't know Yolanda Saldivar, they do know Selena as a role model in this community? Well, and, and they also, according to the testimony, uh, believe that uh, she was gunned down. Uh, you, know, the, you, you folks have reported that. But anyway, I'm going to go. The judge has asked us not to talk about the case, and I'm not going to do it anymore. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Back on the prosecution side of things, Valdez had his first interaction with Selena's father, Abraham Quintanilla. The first time I met him, he came into my office and started saying that we needed to do this and this needed to be done and this was going to be. So I had a talk with him afterwards and told him, look, I know what I'm doing. I've done this before, so don't worry. When, whenever I go into your studio and tell you how to make music, you can come in and, and let me and tell me how to do my job. Until then, let's just work on something where we can both benefit from it. How did he I take know what that? I'm, oh, at first he, he didn't like it, of course, but then he uh, grew to, um, uh, I guess, to respect the fact that I knew what I'm talking about. It's clear early on that finding a jury in Corpus Christi in Uasis County is going to be an issue. Her court-appointed attorney wants to move the trial away from Corpus Christi because of what he says is prejudicial publicity. The state wants the case tried here, and this afternoon began its parade of witnesses expressing belief that the defendant can get a fair trial here in Nueces County. Spanish-language television news director Javier Colmenero testified. He likened the case to the O.J. Simpson trial. If this matter uh, has the same proportions of the Simpson case, uh, I don't think that they're going to have to go in, uh, and identify such a large pool of jurors. That's KHOU's Ron Trevino covering the trial back in the fall of 1995. He would spend the coming days and weeks living out of a news truck and covering the daily ins and outs of the case. Another voice on Yolanda's defense team is Javin Coleman, 
Is it the defense's belief that the Hispanic community cannot be fair and impartial? The majority of them, yes. Because Selena was Hispanic? No, because of the publicity that was given to the death. And it's still ongoing. So Hispanics couldn't, but, but perhaps somebody else of a different race could. The problem is that somebody claiming to be a perfect juror and to follow orders and, you know, that uh, has a private agenda. Fans across Texas, around the country, wait for any news from the Nueces County Courthouse, waiting to hear where the trial will land. And in restaurants, nightclubs, and around the dinner table, everywhere, people are talking about it. What's the change? What's the change? The, uh, 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 the mood? I mean, what the people here are going to think different than they did in, in, in Corpus Christi? I mean, you know, you committed a crime. You got to pay for what you did. You know, simple as that. Tooth for tooth, eye for an eye, she's going to get what she deserves. She took a great, inspiring person away from the Hispanic community. She was very important to all of us, each and every one of us. That fan's sentiments underscore just how angry people are, how much they want Yolanda to pay for what she's done before she's even tried in court. When the defense wanted a change of venue and they called it prejudicial publicity. Yes. Why did you think you could get a fair trial here? Because I had faith in the people of New Aces County and the people of Corpus Christi. I wanted to try the case here. I didn't want to go anywhere else. Eventually, the ruling comes down. Houston in Harris County will be the venue for the state of Texas versus Saldivar, courtroom 228. Valdez and the prosecution team for the state of Texas packed up all their files and made the trip from Corpus Christi to Houston. What was it like inside that car? It was actually a, a big a rent, a van, a van that we had borrowed from the sheriff's department. We called it the Great White Whale. It was a huge van that was used for uh, narcotics. And when we first got it from the sheriff's department, it was just horrible smell. It reeked of marijuana inside. And so we had to air it out all weekend before we took it to Houston. And, and finally, uh, and even airing it out still was horrible. The first order of business for both legal teams is jury selection. The defense did criticize the jury, right? They said they wanted more diversity. They said was race an issue, and you, you talked oh, a little bit were, about uh, that. Oh, they were. Yes, they were. The, the defense made an issue of it. They uh, filed a motion saying that uh, we had struck um, minorities from the jury, which of course we hadn't done that. It wouldn't. It wouldn't make any sense for us to strike minorities from the jury because the victim in this case herself was a minority. So, But that was uh, something that the uh, defense wanted to, to uh, preserve for, uh, for an appeal in case there was an appeal necessary. We don't uh, look at race. Uh, uh, as much as you probably don't want to believe that, that's, we don't look at that. Yolanda's lawyers are also asked about the jury selection process. You and the, the other defense lawyers are playing on the racial and ethnic uh, divisions in the city. Nobody can say that at all, okay? Somebody's trying to make that up uh, because that's not the case. One strange effect that I, that I saw was people were trying to stay on the panel. Most of the time, the usual thing is people try to get off jury duty. In this case, I saw them trying to stay on the on the jury. They wanted to be on the jury. I, we had several responses that, that telling us, you know, I'd be a good person to be on this jury. You should pick me and I, I'd be a good, uh, a good jury member. And so they were tr actually trying to stay on instead of looking for excuses to get off. So we had to be extra careful. After a few days, the jury is set. We like the jury we got. We would have liked to have had a better ethnic mix up or a racial mix uh, than we got because we got one black lady and they were, how many were, Teresa? There were eight, eight blacks who were excused by them. With the jury confirmed, media and fan attention kicks into high gear. Were you surprised by the crowds? Yes, I was surprised by the number of people around the courthouse. Uh, we had security. We had security every day. We had people from the district attorney's office. We had people from the sheriff's department. And we needed that security every single day because if you, could, you couldn't go out in public. Trials like this attract crazy people, attract a lot of different parts of the community that come out for these things, and, and it, it's um, scary. And they want to touch you, and, and people want to offer you. They just want to touch. They just want to touch you. And, and, and they offer you all kinds of stuff. And, and I always have my, uh, my bandana, and a, a woman came up 
And she just grabbed the banana, took off, the bandana took off and ran, ran, ran off into the crowd. During the trial, we, I received a letter at the district attorney's office in Houston from somebody who said that a gang member had um, been released from prison and was on his way to Houston to kill me. Bomb-sniffing dogs and SWAT officers are brought in to patrol around the courthouse, and fans start streaming in, some hoping to get inside the courtroom. I wanted to be here and see what was going on and if everything was going to come out all right, and, you know, I, I just want to see. And before the trial begins, Valdez is asked what they plan to present as evidence. He mentions a statement from Yolanda made after her arrest. At this point, we have a statement that was... Uh, taken by, uh, by the police department. And uh, as far as whether or not it's a confession, uh, that will be brought up in court later on. We do have a statement from what it. Is no more details yet on what the statement is, but it will play a pivotal role in this trial and be a major factor in the jury's final decision. Valdez had other concerns going into the trial. Two pieces of evidence that he learned about late in the game. Vital evidence that the defense plan to use. Out of the blue, I get a call from uh, the defense attorney, Doug Tinker, and he says, I want uh, a, t- a copy of the tape that you have. And I said, I don't, we don't have any tape. And he said, yes, you do. So I checked with the investigator at the police department. He said, there's no tapes of anything. So I, I called Doug back and he said, yes, you do have uh, some tapes and I want copies of them. So I called. Um, so you did uh, not even know that the I had no idea that there was a that tape the negotiations of the had been taped. And there was about four and a half hours of negotiations that had been taped. The second surprise was I got a call from an investigator that wasn't even involved in the case. And, and he told me that uh, there was uh, some controversy about the statement Yolanda Saldivar gave at the police station that uh, a local ranger had information that, that hadn't been given to us. He had heard her say that it was an accident. But it wasn't written down in the statement. It wasn't in the statement. It wasn't in the report. We didn't have any information on it. I didn't even know it existed. Which could really come back to bite you. Oh, yes. If we hadn't found out about it and handed over to the defense, it would have been terrible. So I checked into it and found out it was true. There was some information that uh, our local Texas Ranger had been at the station, had been at the station when the statement was given and had not told us about it and not prepared a report. So we had all that prepared and sent over to the defense. If Valdez didn't have enough on his plate, the O.J. Simpson verdict looming in the minds of Texans and Selena fans, the throng of supporters, last-minute evidence, there was still another issue he had to address. Claims made by Yolanda that Selena was having an affair with a doctor in Mexico. A claim that Selena's family would vigorously deny in coming months and years. You don't think there's any truth to an affair with the doctor in Mexico? No, 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 no. And as a matter of fact, we took the doctor's deposition. People don't know that on the first day of trial, jury selection, we took a deposition of the doctor. I had a chance to question the doctor and ask him so many questions that hurt Yolanda's position. So what did he say? He said that uh, he was helping Selena set up a business. But he said there was no sexual relationship. No, no, there was nothing like, there was no other relationship like that. And you think the reason Doug Tinker didn't bring it to trial is because you poked so many holes in it. Well, yes, and because I asked him some questions about Yolanda's credibility on, during the deposition that, that he didn't want the jury to hear about. And then the trial of Texas versus Saldivar begins. In his opening remarks, prosecutor Carlos Valdez said, we're embarking on a journey to seek justice. Selena Quintanilla was killed in a senseless, cowardly act of violence. Defense attorney Doug Tinker quoted the defendant as saying, I did not mean to do it. The gun went off, and they refused to put it in the statement. The first witness for the prosecution was Abraham Quintanilla, Selena's father, who tried to portray the defendant as an embezzler. In opening arguments, the defense painted Quintanilla as a threatening, dominating father. The defense did not cross-examine Quintanilla, but advised it may do it later. And Valdez didn't shy away from allegations he knew the defense would bring up. Did you realize you shocked people when Selena's father was on the stand and you asked him if he had had sexual relations with Yolanda? Many people thought I had made a big mistake. He made a big mistake by asking something. He opened the door. I knew exactly what I was doing. I wasn't opening any doors. I knew that... Further on, 
during the trial, I was going to introduce those tapes, and during the tapes, it was going to uh, it was going to come out that Yolanda had said all these things. But at at the first, people were shocked by why are you asking him that? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, it makes sense. It's like building a house. I told him, when you build a house, you build a foundation, and y'all are saying that's an ugly house. And I'm telling you, that's not a house. I mean, we're building a house. It's a beautiful house, but this is the foundation. Wait until we build it up. Outside the courtroom, Carlos Valdez comments on the prosecution's opening statements. A simple case of murder. And, and that's all we've been saying all along. This, this case is not as complicated as, as people may want to believe. And, it, and, and the reason for the opening statement, it, it was a bare-bones opening statement to try to emphasize to the jury that this is a simple case of murder. How did you unravel Yolanda's arguments, her defense? Her defense was basically that it was an accident, that it was an accidental discharge. Our argument against that was based on the testimony of witnesses after the incident, after the shooting. See, there was no witnesses to the shooting itself. There were two people in the room, only two people. Selena had her back turned to Yolanda, so Selena did not see the shooting either. The only person who saw the shooting is Yolanda Saldivar. However, there were a bunch of people who saw after the shooting, the aftermath, what happened afterwards when Selena runs out of the room, Yolanda comes out with the gun, points it at her and says, bitch, and walks over the blood and and then comes comes back into the room and comes out with the gun uh, wrapped up in a towel. All these things were arguments for. The, these are the little elements of the argument that we used to show this is not an accident. An accident doesn't happen like this. The aftermath of an accident is you drop the gun immediately and you start screaming, I can't believe what happened. I can't believe what happened. You may even start crying. You don't go out and point and, and then yell, bitch. And then the last thing was um, for nine and a half hours, Yolanda Saldivar sat, sat in her car with the gun to her head. And the gun was cocked. When the police, and there's pictures of it, when they saw it, after she left the truck, it was cocked. It was ready to shoot. All she had to do was pull the trigger. And she kills herself. And she was threatening to kill herself, and she was fiddling with the, with, the, uh, with the radio and talking on the phone and with the gun, and she never accidentally pulled the trigger. So, in nine and a half hours, with all these things going on, she never accidentally pulled the trigger. And then in the room, it was an accident? No. Things like that don't happen. In, re in real life, things like that don't happen. They may happen on TV and a movie, but not in real life. This was not an accident. But KHOU's Ron Trevino reports on the defense position, a very different interpretation of events at the day's end. Tinker told the six-woman, six-man jury that Saldivar cried to investigators on the day of the shooting. I didn't mean to shoot her. The gun just went off. And he added, she did not know that Selena was dead. The defense strategy is clear. It was an accident. Yolanda didn't mean to do it. And that's what she said all along. But then there was the added layer of Yolanda's attacks of Selena's father. What did you make of the defense shifting the blame to Selena's father, calling him controlling and saying he called Yolanda an obsessed lesbian? Actually, um, that happened during the opening argument that uh, Doug Tinker made. And I was glad that he went so far in doing all this because I knew that with my first three witnesses, I was going to be able to destroy probably 80% of what he said, and I could do it right after he said it, because he opened, uh, uh, he did the opening argument right after he finished. My first three witnesses, I put Mr. Quintanilla, I put Suzette, and I put Chris Perez on, and those three witnesses destroyed probably 80% of what Doug Tinker had said. And what was interesting to me was Doug Tinker did not do any cross-examination. None, none whatsoever. That shocked you. Oh, it, I was just—I was, wasn't prepared for that. I thought he'd be crossing because because of his opening statement, he had said all these ugly things, and then the first three witnesses said none of that is true. Why did you want Selena's father to be number one? When he spent so much, when Doug Tinker spent so much time attacking Mr. Quintanilla, 
and what a controlling father he was and all these other things that he was saying. I said, that's who we're going to go with. And Mr. Quintanillo was the first witness to take the stand and, and just, uh, just deny everything. Well, he just uh, disproved everything that uh, Doug Tinker had said. Every, almost everything he said was disproven in a matter of uh, 30 minutes. In testimony this morning, the first two officers who spoke with Saldivar during the March 31st standoff testified she never claimed to them the shooting was an accident. Corpus Christi Police Officer Sergeant Paul Rivera read the statement verbatim. I took a gun from my purse and Selena started walking towards the door. I pulled the hammer back and I shot her as she was walking toward the door that was open and Selena ran out the door. The statement was given to police just hours after Saldivar surrendered after a long standoff. Days in employee Shauna Vela is also among the dozens of prosecution witnesses. Vela holds back tears as she testifies in court. Vela testified. She was screaming, help me, help me, please call the police. Vela said when she collapsed on the floor, I realized who she was. As she called 911, she said she knelt down beside her and asked, who shot you? She said Selena replied, Yolanda. Yolanda Saldivar appeared to show no emotion during this testimony, while members of Selena's family and some in the audience came to tears. Vela herself had to stop to regain her composure several times. The last thing she said Selena told her was, lock the door, she said, she'll shoot me again. The housekeeper's testimony of a terrified Selena is damaging for a defense team trying to paint the picture of an accidental shooting. But Doug Tinker is just getting started. And in cross-examination, Vela's story loses some punch. She admits that she didn't initially tell police about Selena's saying, lock the door. Speaking to reporters later, Tinker downplays Vela's testimony. It's not unusual for evidence to be enhanced during a trial. Uh, other than that, I don't want to comment because, again, we're instructed not to. And I will say this, I don't think that kind of testimony hurts our case. A bit. Two more days in employees testify. Sales manager Ruben de Leon and assistant manager Rosalinda Gonzalez. They were also in the lobby when Selena came running in. De Leon asked her, who shot you? He said Selena's answer was Yolanda, Yolanda Saldivar in room 158. De Leon stated she looked up at me and told me and then her eyes rolled back and I started screaming. Rosalinda Gonzalez told a similar story. She said she asked Selena, who shot you? She said Selena replied, the girl in room 158. Trinidad Espinosa, a maintenance worker, tells a similar story. I heard like a loud boom. It sounded like a flat tire. I saw a girl running. She was running and screaming. There was a woman following her. She had a gun. Then Norma Martinez took the stand and testified, I saw a lady come out from a room, number 158. She came out yelling, help, help. She later said she saw Yolanda Saldivar. She was running in back of Selena, pointing a gun at the back of Selena. She just yelled, bitch, after she put the gun down. Another days in maid, Sandra Avalos, testified she too saw Selena running and screaming for help, and that Saldivar appeared calm. But defense lawyers are ready, and Doug Tinker pounces on Avalos' testimony in his cross-examination. He pointed out in her original statement to police, Avalos said she thought the woman with the gun was of medium height and had long bleached blonde hair. Saldivar is four feet nine inches tall and is a brunette. And what the jury believes are... Uh... You know, which one of them, or whether they believe them all, uh, it's important. Uh, again, I'm not going to take a position one way or the other. Outside the courtroom, defense lawyer Fred Hagen underscores Yolanda's claim, again, that it was an accident. The uh, testimony that has come out has, consist has been consistent with accidental shooting in the room. They still don't have anybody that has said it was not accidental in the room. There is no eyewitness that says that at this point. At the trial, was it difficult in the beginning because different hotel workers had different versions of things they testified to and remembered? Because when Selena ran to the lobby, there were some witnesses who said they heard her say, lock the doors. Yes. They're, She'll shoot me. Right. And there were others who said, no, nah, she didn't say that. Yeah. Some, some people said she said one thing. Some people said she said another thing. Other people said... She didn't say anything, uh, which is understandable. You can explain that. Some people heard it. Some people didn't hear it. The trauma of an event, when, when you're 
think you're witnessing something or hearing something, you may not be because of the trauma involved. So uh, you can explain things like that. Um, in the end, I, th- I think the jury got the story. As the days go by, the parade of prosecution witnesses continues. Blanca Padilla, a former Days Inn employee, talks about the night before the murder when Saldivar was checking in. She described Saldivar as sloppy. She said to pay with a credit card from Selena, etc., you wouldn't think she would even stay there. The prosecution also calls Corpus Christi Police Sergeant John Houston to the stand. He was the first to negotiate with Saldivar the day of the murder, before the long standoff began. He testified Saldivar pressed a gun to her head. He said, quote, She was making statements about she wanted to kill herself. Then she said, because of what I did. Houston said Saldivar blamed Selena's father, Abraham Quintanilla, for the shooting. He said, quote, She talked about her father hating me, referring to the victim's father. Houston said Saldivar said repeatedly, quote, Her father is responsible for this. He made me shoot her. He made me shoot her. Houston's testimony for the prosecution underscores the theory the defense will return to, accusations about Selena's father. The prosecution then brings Selena Boutique staffers to the witness stand, one of them testifying that Selena told her she was going to fire Yolanda. Celia Solis said the night before the murder, Selena was on the phone with Saldivar. In describing Selena, she testified she was very upset. I followed her home. I just wanted to make sure she was okay. Jurors also hear about Yolanda's claims she had been sexually assaulted. Patricia Biggs said Selena had brought Saldivar to the emergency room the morning of the murder and that Selena told her Saldivar had been raped in Mexico. But Biggs testified, I didn't see any evidence to indicate she had been assaulted. Did the whole story about Yolanda and Selena going to the hospital the morning of the murder get confusing at all for the jury or for the courtroom? I don't. I don't think it did. I, I don't. I don't think it did, because by this time the, the jury understood Selena was trying to help her friend. Uh, Selena, no matter what you did to Selena, she tried to help you, and that's what she was trying to do. And I think the jury understood that, so it was not confusing to him that that's, that when Yolanda called and told her to come over, that she needed to go to the doctor. She said she was raped in Mexico. Yeah, she was raped. She 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 said several times that she was raped in Mexico and on the border, and then that Mr. Quintanilla had raped her. She had all kinds of stories like that. And I think that's part of the problem that Doug Tinker had in in deciding whether to put her on the stand. She had told so many different stories, and we had so many different stories. And, and there was a nurse that actually testified at the trial, right, that said she saw Yolanda at the hospital and there were no signs of... Right. Well, the doctor who examined her testified that... Um, and the nurse, the nurse, that's right, the nurse testified that uh, there was nothing, they didn't see anything, the, and that the doctor had... Um, conducted a thorough examination, didn't see any evidence of any rape, didn't see any evidence of any assault. So you saw that as more of a, of a sideshow? I, I saw that more as a, um, a Yolanda Saldivar being manipulative, m- trying to manipulate Selena, trying to stay on as Selena's employee, trying to stay in Selena's life. And the way she would do that was try to manipulate her. And this is, and she's very, she was very good at it. She probably still is very good at it. She manipulates people into doing what you wouldn't believe that they would do. And the people say, why would, why would Selena go and see her and talk to her? Because Yolanda knew what she was doing. She knew how to manipulate people to, to do what she wanted. The prosecution also calls Corpus Christi paramedic Richard Fredrickson to the stand who tells the packed courtroom he was at the scene of the crime in less than two minutes. He testified Selena was not breathing. He stated, I felt some twitching instead of a pulse. I never felt a pulse. He said they transported Selena to the hospital, still fighting to save her. He stated, we were doing all we could. Fredrickson also identified the clothing Selena was wearing that day and a ring that had fallen out of Selena's clenched fist in the ambulance. Finally, the prosecution rests, and outside the Harris County Courthouse, more fans are showing up, singing and shouting, most of them hoping to win a lottery ticket that will get them inside the courthouse. And most of these fans have a strong opinion about the case and Yolanda's guilt or innocence. I feel that if Selena really felt that, she knew this woman, she had 
been close to her, with her, that she knew that this was not an accidental shooting. She knew it was intentional. It seems pretty open and shut to me. I don't see how they could say anything else. But that's exactly what the defense team plans to do as they call their first witness to the stand. Ruben de Leon, who also testified for the state. Saying the motel lobby was chaos when Selena staggered in and collapsed. A previous witness testified she heard Selena pleading for someone to lock the door because she feared Saldivar would shoot her again. De Leon told the defense he didn't hear that. Defense attorney Doug Tinker. Did Selena move and say, call the police or lock the door? To me, she never did. But in cross-examination, De Leon was asked by prosecutor Carlos Valdez, were you paying attention to what everyone was doing? No, sir, he answered. There was a lot of commotion. I wasn't paying attention to people around me. Maybe Tinker's strategy has backfired with De Leon, but the next witness brings a new wrinkle to the story, one the jury hasn't heard yet. It's Texas Ranger Robert Garza, who was on hand the night Yolanda Saldivar was arrested. He heard Saldivar say that as she gestured toward the door, the gun just went off by accident. Tinker goes on to discredit other prosecution witnesses. He said, witnesses who are mistaken are just as bad as a liar. If you're just not sure, you vote not guilty. And then for the first time, the jury and everyone inside the Harris County courtroom hear more than five hours of the recorded standoff between Yolanda and police. It's not surprising what the defense wants the jury to hear from that night. It was the defense's most powerful support yet. Tape recordings taken by SWAT negotiators during this standoff, March 31st. Attorneys consoled a sobbing Yolanda Saldivar as jurors listened to those tapes. Saldivar is heard saying she put a gun to her head and told Selena she was going to kill herself. Saldivar said, quote, she said, no, Yolanda, and then she opened the door and went for help. I said, no, Selena, close that door. And when I did, the gun went off. I was telling you, you heard the gun. What? I was telling you, Selena, I'm going to kill myself. And as I pulled it out, it just went off because the barrel was back. You know, that's the funny thing about guns. They're dangerous and, and accidents happen. Accidents happen. The defense is painting a picture. The jury hears more audio from the standoff. I brought this gun to kill myself, not her. But there's another narrative here, another angle the defense has already suggested. The idea that Selena's father was controlling, domineering, and that he pushed Yolanda to the brink. They play more of the standoff audio to try to prove their point. In the tape, Saldivar blames Selena's father, Abraham Quintanilla, for the shooting. Quote, he pushed me to this. He pushed me to this, she said. Saldivar claimed Quintanilla had raped her, put a knife to her, and threatened to kill her and her family if she went to authorities. Then tried to keep her away from Selena. Quote, he made me do this. He threw me out of her house. He threw me out of her life. The allegations are shocking and perplexing, considering that the defense is claiming it was all an accident. Outside the courthouse, Yolanda's lawyers hammer their point home. It was an accident. She said it was an accident all along. Her story has been consistent when she talked to Larry Young before the tape, when she talked on the tape, when she talked after the word accident comes up. It is consistent that she did not intend to shoot <coughs> Selena. She did not intend to hurt Selena. That was a consistent thing that never changed in over five hours. Well, she says she didn't intend to do it. She says she didn't mean to do it. She says she didn't mean to hurt her. And you're going to hear more of that. And you're going to hear before it's over the details of of how the of what was going on uh, about how the the gun was being waved around and it just went off. But Carlos Valdez offered his take on the standoff recording. Until the officer mentions five times on the tapes, the first two hours mentions five times about how guns accidentally go off. Then you sort of see the light bulb go off, and you see her starting to say, "Well, you know what? It was an accident." You actually told the jury at trial, right, that they had set, given her the idea that it was an accident. Did I understand that? Oh, right? oh, 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 yes. It, I mean, I, she said it, but but they kind of, in that negotiation process yes. of getting her to surrender, did I, do I understand yes, that right? Yes, that's, that's right. But then she would say things like, uh, her, it's her father's fault. Her father made me do this. That shows that it's intentional, that she intentionally did it to hurt Mr. Quintanilla. Do you think she was ever threatened, or do you think it was all made oh, up? Oh, no, no, I, th I think it was made up, but I, I think she was 
really angry at Mr. Quintanilla. He was, Mr. Quintanilla is the one who told Selena, don't trust her anymore. And there was an investigation done, and Mr. Quintanilla says you need to stay away from her. Yolanda hated Mr. Quintanilla. Selena's fans aren't swayed by Tinker and his team, the accident theory. At the whole nine and a half hours, she had the gun pointed to her head, doing all kind of motions, and not one time did that gun go off. I feel that she's guilty. Uh, why didn't you go over and uh, give her aid? Common sense to tell me that you can tell when someone's trying to change their story. She did that several times. They caught her in several lies up in there. But at least one spectator, maybe others, are not so sure. Without this testimony beforehand, I guess I tended to be guilty. Now I think I need to hear more. (laughs) The defense rests their case, telling reporters they believe they've made a strong case that Yolanda didn't mean to kill Selena. We're real pleased with the way the case went. Uh, We think uh, uh, we've got a good run, uh, a verdict in our favor. The prosecution and defense team make their final arguments and hand the case over to the jury of six men and six women. Now left to decide if Yolanda Saldivar fired a bullet at Selena on purpose, in cold blood, or if it was all a terrible, fatal accident. Once again, outside the courthouse, news crews spring into action when Carlos Valdez and the prosecution team appear. It's our theory of the case in the state's position that if you're in a room with someone who's supposed to be your best friend and this person accidentally shoots you, if it happened to me, I'd start screaming, I'd call 911. If I were the person who shot the gun, I'd drop the gun immediately, call 911, try and get my friend help. In this case, Selena took off running as fast as she could out of that room and ran as far as she could until she literally couldn't run anymore. Um, it's our position that that's just not consistent with someone Two friends being there and, and one of them shooting the other one accidentally. The evidence just doesn't show that. Furthermore, the defendant leaves right then with the gun still in her hand, goes and gets in her car to look for Selena. It's our position there's only one reason she would go do that, and that's to go find her to see if she was dead. Prosecution lawyers added other aspects of the defense case, digging into the hours of standoff audio played for jurors inside the courtroom. Well, just about a, a lot of things. I mean, there was parts about the tape where she kept saying that she, the defense said she kept saying she didn't mean to, she didn't intend to. But there's also parts of the tape where she first said that Abraham Quintanilla raped her. Then she said that she bought the gun for protection against Abraham Quintanilla. Then she said she bought the gun to kill herself. I mean, she had different stories throughout those tapes. From the very start, we've said this is a murder case. And, and from the start to the end, we've... we've, we've maintained that's going to be our position, and that's the reason. We, we think it's a straight-up murder case. Don't think anything less than that would, uh, would do justice in this case. think it's a murder case, and that's what we went with. It's a waiting game now, waiting for 12 men and women to say they've reached a decision, an accident or intentional, guilty or innocent. Hundreds of Selena's loyal fans are outside the courthouse, waiting. They're also waiting in Corpus Christi, in San Antonio, in Dallas, in El Paso, and across the border in Mexico, Monterey, Mexico City, anywhere Selena and her music touched lives. Can you still close your eyes and remember the moment the verdict came back? Two hours and 20 minutes, the longest two hours and 20 minutes of my life, because I had agreed on no lesser included offenses. We're going with murder or not guilty. Guilty of murder or not guilty. Either one. All or nothing. All or nothing. And um, if, the, if it's not guilty of murder, I'm done. All this anger out there would be transferred to one single person. When they rang the, the uh, buzzer that they had a verdict, the judge told the bailiff, go check and see if they have a verdict. The bailiff was gone for about 15 minutes, and I'm just, you, you have no idea how I was suffering. And then when the bailiff came and talked to the judge, we were all in the well of the court, and the judge was standing, and then the bailiff was standing. I went up behind the bailiff and grabbed her by the elbow, and I said, did you see the verdict? Because I, I heard her say, we have a verdict. And I asked her, did you see the verdict? And she can't tell me anything. She's not supposed to. But she turned around and she smiled at me. And that told me everything I wanted to know. May the jury find the defendant Yolanda Saldivar guilty of the offense of murder. She's guilty. She's guilty. 
And when he read guilty, you could hear the shouts and the screaming down up into the courtroom. I could, I mean, you could hear them with their people's from the street. Yes, from the streets, screaming and 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 crying, and and you could hear them honking, horns honking, and it was like a big celebration, uh, like a big relief. Many in the crowd were cheering for something they called justicia, the Spanish word for justice. Selena would want justice to be served here in Houston. It was served. It was served. I'm so happy that she was found guilty, and I hope tomorrow they pick a good sentence because I think she deserves every bit. The Saldivar family left the courtroom in tears. The worst of their pain begins now with the possibility Yolanda Saldivar could be sentenced to life in prison. And the next step, of course, is the punishment. We're going to line up our witnesses, try to get them in from Corpus in San Antonio and then decide tonight probably what we're going to be looking for. The Quintanilla family also makes an appearance in front of the press. Selena's mother is asked if it's important how long a sentence, if any, Yolanda gets behind bars. It really won't matter because it, it will not bring my daughter back. She will live and my daughter is gone. And that's my view. Selena's widowed husband, Chris Perez, is asked the same question. I feel the same way as Marcy does. I mean, no matter what, uh, I'm glad they found her guilty because it's the truth. Uh, but really, everything that's been done to us has been done. And uh, it, I don't see, you know, it making me feel any better how long it is. You know, of course, I want her to get life, but it won't make me feel better, you know. A.B., you are holding your family together, too. How is it's, these days, these two days, these last two days? They, the whole two weeks have been really hard because uh, there's been a lot of accusations on behalf of the person that done this horrible act to my sister. Not only did she do that, but then she tried in public to destroy our family accusations of my fa false accusations about my dad, about our family. And it was really hard just to sit there and listen to the lawyers actually try to make the jurors believe, you know. Yeah, she, it's like she didn't get to do enough by... Yeah, she, she killed Selena and then she planned to just tear our family apart. And we, we really want to thank the, the press that's been legitimate about our family and understands our family. But as far as the press that really doesn't respect our family and has been doing some awful things in the press just to make the ratings, we really don't support that. After all of this, it's been seven months of hell for you and your family. Chris, what has it been like for you, especially when the uh, verdict came down? I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's that hard to imagine either. You know, uh, you know, how would you it's, feel? You know what I mean? How would I, how I would any answer, of y'all yeah, feel? I can answer for Chris. There's been a lot of press and media. They've been asking us, "How do you feel? You know, why don't you, in your mind, try to imagine what we're going through? Try imagining losing a sister or your father or a mother or brother through a, a, a senseless act like this, and then that's the answer you're going to get. You know." And then just sitting there and having, I mean, then having Yolanda deny everything and saying that she didn't do it, it makes it harder. It makes it harder because we know the truth. And now, now that she's been found guilty, it just lets everybody know that what she did and what we've been saying from the beginning, it happened the way we said it did. What kind of sentence did she deserve? Uh, if it was up to me, life, I don't think she deserves to be um, running around and, and pretending like, like what she did didn't affect anybody and that she took a life. The family's pain, the loss, you can hear it and see it in their expressions when they're asked about the trial. Every day, uh, we, ha we, you know, the, the, the defendants come out and they're, uh, oh, yes, uh, we had a victorious day. And yeah, we, you know, it's, it's going on. And these guys that are over there talking about it, you know, and they come up and they tell you things and it really pisses you off because they're not telling the truth. If there's any doubt about what kind of sentence the prosecution will be asking for, Carlos Valdez and his team make their plans clear. We won't be recommending probation, no, I can tell you that. And then the punishment phase begins. The state immediately began to build its case that Saldivar embezzled from Selena. Outside the presence of the jury, Elvia Hernandez, who audited the company known as Selena, etc., was questioned by prosecutor Alyssa Sterling. I was hired to audit the company's books. What did you find, she was asked. The first thing that popped up to me were checks written to Yolanda and cashed by Yolanda. But Doug Tinker countered, there's no proof that if money was appropriated, that it wasn't done without Selena's approval. 
the evidence is insufficient. The defense also brings in witnesses, friends and family of Yolanda Saldivar, willing to speak up for the woman seen as a monster by most. Her brother, Fernando Saldivar, said, she's a big asset to the community, she's a hard worker, and everything she has, she will give back to the community. Yolanda's father, Frank Saldivar, testified, his daughter is the only heart he has. And he sobbed as he said, I hope y'all have sons and daughters. We have lost two lives here. As the jury once again gets set to decide her fate, fans outside weigh in. I think it's stupid because they should just send her to the electric chair. She deserves to suffer just the way Selena did. Defense attorney Doug Tinker understandably disagrees with a lengthy sentence. Well, we, you know, I don't think there's any reason to lock uh, Yolanda Saldivar up for a long time other than uh, vengeance or an eye for an eye. But it's up to the jury to decide now. The range? Five years to life. Next time on Selena, a star dies in Texas. Now, some people have asked and wondered why the day that, that she did get shot, why you didn't help her? You had a nursing background. I did. I tried. There, 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 I, 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 I called 911. I, 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 I didn't know where she had gone. I did not know. But certainly, sure, I would have helped her. Selena, A Star Dies in Texas, is a Vault Studios production in collaboration with KIII TV in Corpus Christi, KHOU in Houston, WFAA in Dallas, KENS 5 in San Antonio, and our network of TV stations across Texas. Special thanks to Grace White at KHOU and former KENS 5 anchor Sarah Lucero. The Vault Studios team includes executive producers Will Johnson and Adam Ostro and investigative journalist Jessica Knoll. Audio production by Richard Humphreys at Tacoma Media in Silver Spring, Maryland. Visit our website at vaultstudios.com to learn more about our podcasts, including Bardstown and The Officer's Wife. And you can find us on Facebook at Inside the Crime Vault If you'd like to talk about this case and learn about other stories we're covering. For Vault Studios and KIII-TV, I'm Rudy Trevino.